Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. Seth Shostak with us from SETI. Seth, let's clear up a misconception, too, because there's some people who believe that SETI does not believe that there's extraterrestrial intelligence out there. Well, well, that, that would certainly be news to the people that work there. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that's in the name, Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence, or SETI. Uh, obviously, we think that there, there, there must be. I mean, you know, science isn't really so much about what you believe to be true, but uh, it, it does require that you at least think it might be true, because otherwise you won't do any experiments, and that's what SETI's really about. Well, and I think because the organization as a whole doesn't believe we've been visited by ETs, some people get that mis- misconception. Yeah, that's an important distinction. I mean, it's one thing to think that there might be life out there, and keep in mind there's plenty of out there, out there, uh, you know, like a trillion planets in the Milky Way, two trillion other galaxies we can see, each with a trillion planets. You know, that's a, that's a considerable amount of real estate, and uh, so we think it's only reasonable to assume that some of it is populated. But to say that there are you know, visitors to Earth, that's a different story, and uh, that requires a different kind of experiment and a different set of facts. Which kind of leads us to these videos from these Navy uh, aircraft chasing these objects, whatever they may be. What's your take on that? Yeah, right. Well, there was a story, what, a week or two ago, in which the Navy confirmed that the videos were legit. Yes. And I think that a lot of people sort of looked at that story and thought, okay, what the Navy is saying is that these these are, you know, not just UFOs, but they're if you will, IFOs, identified that they're obviously, you know, some sort of alien craft. And I don't think the Navy was saying that at all. It was just saying, yeah, the videos are legit. Well, okay, that's like saying, I don't know, here's a crime scene, and we we lifted these fingerprints, and by the way, these fingerprints are legit. Okay, fine, but that's not the question you want answered. The question you want answered is, well, whose fingerprints are they? And in the case of the Navy videos, what you want to know is, so what the heck are these things that you see in the videos? What do you think they are? Because clearly they were chasing something that they couldn't catch. Well, they, they didn't catch up to it, that's true. Now, one story that I heard, I mean, you know, the fact that these, these little tic-tac things, I think most people know what I'm talking about, these sort of dark peanuts in the center of the frame of the videos, for the people who have seen the right, videos, right. That, that, that's what you see. They're called tic-tac videos. I think one of the Navy pilots said they had the shape of a tic-tac. I love those little mints. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. But, you know, sort of pinched in the middle, really more like a peanut, I guess. But in any case, first off, the cameras that make these things are infrared cameras. So they're sensitive to heat. And, uh, you know, if something is hot, it'll appear dark in the image. Okay, so whatever this thing is, it was dark. I mean, because it was hot. And uh, so, you know, one possibility that was suggested to me by a military pilot um, was that, look, you're just following a plane that's maybe a couple of miles ahead of the jet, and you're just looking into the tailpipes of the the two jet engines on that plane. And, of course, they're very hot, and that's what it looks like. Okay, that could be. Maybe that's true. Maybe that's not true. But it certainly would explain what you see. The other possibilities are you know, defects in the camera systems and so forth and so on. Some people uh, connected with the Navy actually suggested that that might be it. They also said maybe drones. So there are all these things out there. Now, if the, you know, the answer were obvious, if the answer were clear-cut, we probably wouldn't be having this discussion because people would know. But, you know, it's, it's obviously a bit more subtle. But there's nothing in those videos that 
says to me, oh man, yeah, these are the Klingons and they're visiting us. But the uh, the pilots were baffled. It was obvious. It, well, they were and they weren't. I mean, the pilots who shot the videos, yes, but the, the, the pilot, one pilot, the one who was, I think the one flying off of San Diego, um, he was known to be a, uh, a fan of the idea of visitation. And when he got back to the ship, the Princeton, I guess it was, um, you know, the, the other guys kind of laughed at him because he said, I saw the, you know, the aliens or something like that. So he was known to be partial to that idea. Now, of course, that doesn't prove anything one way or the other, but it does suggest that, you know, there might be some subjectivity here. I think it's worth pointing out that this project, which ran for five years, um, you know, it was a secret Pentagon project, which I find rather interesting that they kept it secret, but they also shut it down. And it seems to me that if they had evidence of aliens visiting, I mean, call me naive, but I, I don't know that they would have shut it down. Well, I got to tell you, Seth, in your opinion, what do you think these objects could be if you had to speculate? Well, could they I'd be like from he, from here? I'm sorry. Could they be earthbound? Yeah, of course they could be. In fact, I, I suspect they are. <laughs> now, that's that's just me, and that will antagonize a lot of listeners. So I hope they'll, you know, get off their chairs and you know start typing furiously into some computer somewhere and you know tell me what for. But it's it's to me. No proof of any extraterrestrial origin. What about them suggests that they're extraterrestrial? Obviously, you don't see any detail on these things. It isn't that they have Klingon lettering on the side or rivets or anything like that. And some people will say, yeah, but the maneuvering of these things was so quick. You know, they, they sort of leaped out of the frame so quickly that, uh, you know, that couldn't be done by any aircraft because they're moving, you know, tens of thousands of miles per hour or something like that. But, you know, the only way you can tell the speed of something, to say that they're moving at tens of thousands of miles per hour, whatever you're going to say, the only way you can do that is if you know how far away it is, right? Because if you don't, you know, a bird in front of you will seem to move very quickly, even though the bird's not really moving all that fast, or a bug, something like that. So, so since you don't know how far away this thing is, you really can't say anything about how fast it's been uh, maneuvering there. So tell us a little bit about the tech, technological advances of SETI. You had the Paul Allen array, of course, of telescopes and everything else. And uh, Paul, of course, uh, he has passed on now. He died uh, about a year ago, didn't he? He did, yes, yes. That, was, that, that too, was very sad, actually. I, you know, he had uh, developed Hodgkin's disease when he was considerably younger. And uh, on that basis, he actually said goodbye to Bill Gates. And, you know, he was a co-founder of Microsoft. And he went and did his own thing for a while. But then the Hodgkin's disease went into remission. And uh, so I don't know that people outside of his inner circle knew that he had gotten sick again. So that was a bit of a surprise. But the Allen Telescope Array is very much there. And uh, thanks to the generosity of uh, one of the founders of Qualcomm, Franklin Antonio, he's also the chief scientist there uh, down in the San Diego area, uh, he uh, has given some money to build new receivers low-noise receivers, which is to say very sensitive receivers for the Allen Telescope Array, and they will increase the sensitivity by maybe a factor of two, depends on the frequency, and also they will increase the ability to look at different spots on the radio dial. Now, you might say, well, factor two, does that matter? Well, it does, because if it's a factor two, then you can get, you know, what is it, uh, like six or seven times as much space sampled mm -hmm. at, uh, at any given sensitivity. So it's a big step forward. How many employees with SETI? 
Well, the SETI Institute now has 100 scientists, well, that's George. that's fantastic. But you should know that 95% of them are doing what's called astrobiology. They're not doing SETI. Uh, the problem with SETI is there's no money, to be honest. It's, a, it's kind of a, you know... Not funded by NASA anymore? Or no, just... it hasn't been funded by NASA since 1993. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> and the great benefactors like Paul Allen have passed on. Well, that's right. And uh, Bill Hewlett and Dave Packard and uh, Gordon Moore gave some money in the early days. I mean, that, that's the fundamental problem with SETI. There's not very much money. The folks at the University of California in Berkeley do have some money, thanks to the generosity of a fellow by the name of Yuri Milner. But for the rest, SETI, I mean, SETI is totally funded by private donations in this country, and it's not being done by other countries at the moment. So it's a, it's a kind of a depressing thing in a way, and to talk about money doesn't interest anybody. But on the other hand, here you have finally the science and the astronomy, if you will, and the technology to, you know, maybe find the aliens. And it's such a shame not to try because it would be so incredibly interesting. It sure would. It sure would. And if if you hear signals, of course, you've been hearing some signals, strange bursts coming from all over the place lately. What's going on there? Yeah, they're called fast radio bursts because they're fast and they're in the radio and they're, they're like bursts. The astronomers are incredibly imaginative when it comes to naming anything. But these fast radio bursts, they were actually discovered by a fellow by the name of Duncan Lorimer. Out of Canada, right? Well, no, he was actually in West Virginia, but a lot of the recent, you know, examples of fast radio bursts are being found in Canada, about 30 miles north of the U.S. border, um, with a telescope called CHIME, and that's a very tortured acronym, Canadian Hydrogen Intensity Mapping Experiment, or something like that. But it's this big antenna, they look like a bunch of uh, scoops laid out on the ground, it's, you know, a couple of football fields in size. And uh, it turns out it was built to do astronomy, but it turns out it's excellent for finding these fast radio bursts. And something like several dozen of them have been found. And what they, what they are, they're kind of really quick little radio signals, and like that. I, I don't know if that made it. That's not bad. <laughs> telephone. But it's like a slide whistle, you know, lasting maybe a, a hundredth of a second or a tenth of a second, like an eyeball. What would cause that? Well, that's the big question, George. And if you know the answer to that, I want you to uh, send me a separate email tomorrow morning because uh, uh, then you're in line for the Nobel Prize. Yes, exactly. <laughs> we don't know. But, but whatever it is, this much you can say before you work out any of the calculations you're going to do tonight. Think of this. These things have been found to come from billions of light years away. I mean, not millions, not thousands, billions. Billions of light years away. And if you can pick them up with a an antenna sitting in the woods of Canada, well, whatever is producing these things has to be incredibly powerful. Do, and do they keep coming? Yeah, they keep coming. I mean, they're, they're, well, in most cases, they don't keep coming. In most cases, they're just one-offs, right? You see it, and then that's it. That's it. Yeah, and that makes it very tough to figure out what it is, of course, because you, know, you can't go back and do it again. But there have been several now that have been found that repeat. And uh, the Canadians have been... Uh, they, they found eight new repeaters, I believe. So... That's good news, because now you can just sit around and watch for them to appear. It's like, I don't know, a cat that gets in your dog door or something like that, or a raccoon. You know, if, you, if they do it more than once, then you can catch them. Well, technically, what does a repeater tell you? 
about this technology? Well, what it tells you is that it's probably not something like colliding black holes. I mean, that was suggested as a possible explanation huh. for these babies. You know, maybe it well, you get a lot of energy when you collide a couple of black holes sure. together, as anybody who's ever done it knows. But, you know, you can't back up the black holes and have them collide again. So obviously that doesn't account for the repeaters. So nobody knows. Uh, but I'll tell you, I'll buy you a, an In-N-Out burger if we don't figure it out within two years. Somebody will figure it out within two years. But these bursts that just keep coming, uh, they're short? They're very short. Yeah, they're like an eye blink. They're, they're a fraction of a second long. That's it. And if they keep coming, I mean, is it constant? I mean, every day, every minute? Well, typically, you know, they're not regular. They don't come on a regular, uh, you know, they're not on a regular time schedule. If they were, that would tell you something about what's causing them, of course. But they seem to be sort of intermittent. You know, you get one, even for the repeaters, you get one, and then maybe three days later you get another, maybe two days after that you get a third, and then, you know, a week after that. So they, they seem to be spaced by a few days. Uh, not by a few seconds or a few minutes or anything like that. And they're coming from the same location? Well, there are, there are many of them. That's the thing. You know, some people write me, and they say, well, there's the aliens trying to get in touch. Well, two things about that. To begin with, if they're trying to get in touch, why do they only transfer it for a tenth of a second? Exactly. You can't and you want to hear something. You want yeah. words, whatever. Yeah, if your favorite top 40 station only broadcasts for a tenth of a second, you know, you wouldn't get the full impact of the song. But... The, the <laughs> that that's point one, but the real point in terms of them being aliens is that you know there's some over here three billion light years away, and then there's some over there two billion light years away, and in that other direction, you know, another two billion light years. I mean, it's pretty improbable, I would say, that aliens so far apart from one another, billions of light years, would somehow you know arrange to all signal the same sort of way. That just doesn't make sense. Our transmissions, Seth, that have come from radio and television since uh, we, you know, went online with all of this, are they heard out there in space somewhere? Well, they're out there. I don't know if they're being heard. You have to talk to the Klingons about that. But but they're available to be heard. They right? are. They are. And in fact, uh, you know, we started broadcasting, you know, high-powered, high-frequency signals during the war, mostly with the invention, the Second World War, mostly with the invention of radar. And, of course, television and FM radio, they were all developed at about the same time. So those signals are the, the most likely to uh, be detectable by the aliens. They need a big antenna, but doggone it, you know, we have pretty big antennas, and we've only had radio for 100 years. So if the aliens have had radio for a million years, maybe they've got some really big antennas, and they could pick all that stuff up. If there were, happened to be an Earth-like planet transmitting everything we've transmitted, for example, since the beginning of... Uh radio and television, how would we pick that up? Would you have to pinpoint where the signal was coming from, or does it just show up? Well, you wouldn't necessarily have to pinpoint it, although you'd want to do that, but you'd need a really big receiving antenna because you, know, you can you know, run the numbers. and you know, Television, you'd need an antenna, a bunch of rooftop yaggies or something like that. You need, a, you need an antenna about the size of the, I don't know, the state of Rhode Island or something, and you know, that's a waste of a lot of good real estate, so you might not build that. But if you're looking for the radar, the radars are actually easier to find because they're much more intense because they have big, you know, uh, reflectors behind them, big antennas directing the radar. So actually the strongest signal, signals leaving Earth are not 
not TV, but uh, and maybe this is a good thing, uh, but our radars. Interesting. Now, if if an ET race was broadcasting or transmitting voice, whatever their voices may be, right? would those be able to get picked up? Well, yeah, in principle, sure. Uh, in practice, that's much harder because in order to pick up the voices, as opposed to simply detecting that the, somebody has a transmitter switched on, to, to pick up the, the what's called the modulation, you know, the message, the voice, the music, or whatever it is they're broadcasting, you would need um, to be able to sort of slice up the signal into very short time slices, you know, a fraction of a thousandth of a second if you're talking AM radio, or a fraction of a millionth of a second if you're talking television. And that means in order to do that successfully, you would need antennas that are many thousands of times bigger than the kind of antennas we usually use. So, yeah, if, if, if price is no object, you could do it. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.